Love black queens with introspective. See the world from a dope perspective. Type that's real heavy on the intellect. Always light on the disrespect. Conversation that keep you engaged. Free speech against the minds of a slave. They can't be the only ones. Now they can't be the only ones. A podcast that streams from coast to coast. Miss Gale and be your lovely host. To hear the show that you ain't alone. Can't be the only ones. No, we can't be the only ones. A podcast that streams from coast to coast. Welcome to our second podcast. We can't be the only ones. I'm Gail. I'm B. And we want to thank you for tuning in again for our next session. That's going to give you a little more insight on who we are. And before we get started, as always, we're going to do our little thought of gratification. Oh, is it my go or your go? I think uh, we'll let you go first. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Um, I want to say that I am grateful that the sun is out right now. It's raining for a while today and kind of dark out, and it finally came out not too long ago. So I was able to catch a little bit of sunshine um, and the only vitamin D I'm getting these days. Um <laughs> I'm apparently missing what the other vitamin D is, but okay. <laughs> Getting that vitamin D today. Okay, you can tell me later what that other vitamin D is, because I don't... Like, you take a vitamin D? Because I have some. I'll you tell you take. later. Okay. okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess and it's really... Today was really kind of a cool day for me, because I didn't do much. But I did do this thing in the morning and I was on Zoom with a bunch of people and we're dancing to the oldies with uh, Debbie Allen. Oh, nice. It was so very cool. So I was very grateful that I could keep up till towards the end. But for the most part, I kept up and I was really kind of proud of myself that I was getting it done this morning. So yeah, oh, camp then good. I had to take a nap the rest of the day, but hey, yay. That was a workout. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get the vitamin D now. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Glad you caught it. <laughs> so I get mine in a jar. But it over to B to introduce the topic. It's her topic today. Oh, great. Um, so today's topic, I wanted to talk a bit about tone policing. Um, which do you know what that is, Gail? Well, I had to look it up because I I'd not really heard it before. Maybe mm -hmm. somewhere I did, and it just didn't come quickly. Stick. So I looked it up on Google, and the, this is the definition I found: a conversational tactic that dismisses the ideas being communicated when they are perceived to be delivered in a angry, frustrated, sad fearful or otherwise emotionally charged manner is condescending to shut down an argument through tone policing. Tone policing can silence the narratives of oppressed populations. Yeah. Um, so I would agree with that. And, 
you know, normally I've been tone police and I don't know, do you have thinking about it now? Do you feel like you've been tone police before? Or I'm, I'm sure I have in, in jobs that I've been in where men can be explosive, even show anger. I even had a boss once that broke his hand on the desk and if nothing was said, he wasn't, he wasn't labeled an angry person. But, you know, two weeks later, uh, an executive, a female executive did not like what was going on and tried to explain and they wouldn't let her. So she left the meeting and she was the angry woman. So I'm pretty sure that uh, that I have because I know I've been accused of, you know, being the angry black woman. Yeah, I've been accused of being difficult um, recently, not too long ago. And I the thing that boggled me regarding the situation that I was called difficult for was just a boundary that I was setting or a standard that I was not going to budge on. And again, it was just kind of like, could you do this differently? And, you know, which leads into a part of tone policing. There's a big brother of it, which is the ad hominem attack. So what occurs is that you focus on the augurs or the, the, or the personality of the person being discussed that distracts them from the matter at hand. So even though I had set something firm and didn't want to budge on it for my own reasoning, and a lot of it had to do with my own safety, I was called difficult for protecting myself. Okay. So it was just, you know, and there are other instances as well where, you know, I'll say something and it's like, well, can you say that in a way that's different? And I'm like, but I answered your question. So how differently do you want to hear the word no? Okay. That's a personal. No, no, no. She's attacking me. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's I know it I don't take no well. I, really no, I, don't. I don't think anybody takes no well, to be honest. And we all want you to say, not just you personally, but we yeah. want no's to be said differently. Actually, we don't want no's. We want people to say what we want to say. But then that's part of tone policing too, I think. Yeah. If I'm trying to, I want you to say it in a way that pleases me. Yep. Regardless of how you're feeling. Yeah. And it may, that would even change your narrative. Explain. Well, if I want somebody to say something to me in the way that pleases me, that makes me happy, that, that means you're going to do what I want you to do. A couple of things come into play. One, this may not be how you really feel. So now wherever you were going, it's gone. It stopped. Yeah. I agree. And now it's, I've made it a, a thing of control where I'm controlling how the story is going to play out. Like you got no part anymore. It's like, I, we might as well just pass out. You know, <laughs> here's your script. Here's your script. Here's your script. Make me comfortable. And with that, a lot of the times there's no way to make things palatable, you know, mm. um, it's, it's really hard because sometimes things are just that bad. 
They really are. And there's no way to say with all of the police brutality that we have going on, we've seen people be murdered day in and day out. We have this issue with George Floyd. Um, now we have Breonna Taylor, who more than 100 days ago, she still doesn't have any justice. The cops are still being paid. And that's an issue because how do you contain that amount of rage or disappointment in the system? Because you know that if that were to occur to you, the likelihood of you not getting justice is quite high. Mm -hmm. That's true. And they want us to kind of sit and take it. Oh, yes. They don't like wait for justice. It'll or say come. it more civilly. So the rules to tone policing is like, you know, I can't talk to you while you're this emotional. And you're missing the message that's being said. So instead of saying, I can't talk to you when you're this emotional, gets, try to ask them or ferret out, what is the thing that is driving the emotion here? Is it just that we haven't found who her killers are or that we're not even looking? Well, they know who they are. They know who murdered her. They're the three cops that, you know, well, no, I know that, but if you're if if you're the other person, rather than tone policing it, saying don't be so angry and speak in not an angry tone, get to the get to the heart of the anger. Yeah. Where is the anger coming from? Share that with me. But people don't want to know. And I was thinking too because I was thinking about N.W.A. Um, the N.W.A. rap, um, f the police, and I was like, okay, let me just hear what they're saying because these are some of the things that people are still chanting now oh yes but why and even with Kendrick Lamar when he said in his all right song and we hate popos when they kill us in the street post show and Geraldo Rivera was like had a backlash like oh my god can you believe he said that and it was like why shouldn't I hate being murdered in the street? Yeah, what are you supposed to have? Like a, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, kind sir. <laughs> thank you, well, kind sir. That's like the president the other day when he said, somebody asked him the question about blacks being killed by the hands of police. His answer, well, whites are being killed too. And, you know, he was, and now had he followed that up with we need to address the police as a whole because of this mm -hmm. because they're killing blacks and whites and mm -hmm. but that's not what he he then went after her that's really a horrible question or that's a, a terrible question yes. i think he said so he was to trying to tone police her don't <laughs> ask those type of questions of me again but that would be something then it should be well, he isn't he angry about even them being killed? I, that that always boggles me on a scale that you can't believe. Um, oh, that can. <laughs> <laughs> that we're not all asking for some sort of either reform, some sort of divestment, 
something, you know, even if you don't believe in abolishing some sort of oversight, because it's not just black people who get murdered by the police. So there, this, there is a problem, but we're not going to address it. It's like you can't, can, in other words, ask about that in a nicer way. Yes, Or please. don't ask. Oh, that would be better. That would be better. And that's sort of like what tone policing trains you to. And I think growing up, I remember the big thing on Sunday morning was the cartoons, the paper that came and the cartoons in there. And... When you when I think back and reviewing tone policing, I see where they've been doing it all along. Mm. They've been training us how to talk, what to say, because if you see the cartoon with the crazy person asking for stuff, that may be commonplace. Yeah. Now they look crazy asking for it. Yeah, you yeah you've shamed them, and even to tone policing through childhood you know you're taught as a black child that speaking in what we now call african-american vernacular english is wrong you don't want to speak like that you want you don't want to be loud you need to learn how to conduct yourself in eurocentric standards so we're always told blackness isn't acceptable be more like this and that's just a form of tone policing that again is is, it permeates through all of our everyday lives where Mm -hmm. you know hair discrimination still occurs that is so true food shaming the fact that watermelon is now seen so negatively for black people (laughs) that people want to say i don't eat it (laughs) yes and on top and the history behind that as well is that black people farmed watermelon and were successful at it so then when the southern whites saw that they were making something of themselves they began to food shame it and make it food of the poor so even then you have it in your your head in the background that as a black person you can't even enjoy watermelon for a fact that you may seem you play into that caricature that they have created for you and that even dips into housing berlin because with housing i remember years and years ago that there was this place off and near Vineland and it was a town all owned by black people and eventually the towns got started going down going down because they needed money to invest in the farms and different things and they couldn't get that money because just because they were black oh you can't you even if you were having a successful year farming it wasn't successful enough yep but down the street you know, somebody else who wasn't even having a successful year, but because they were white, they could get money. Yeah. And I I would, as a black, not even as a black person, but more so because I have that added layer of being black and a woman at the same time, I kind of have to, you, you're always on the pivot. But my pivot is a little bit different where I'm like, okay, well, let me learn. 
and see what it is that's going on. And I'm always questioning, like, why is it so? Why is it that I can't be angry? Is That's because I fall into the sapphire stereotype. So that's the angry black woman who's domineering, you know, or I'm the, you know, if I express any type of sexuality, then I have to be concerned with whether or not I'm performing in the desert. Well, I'll be seen in the Jezebel stance. So I can't be sexual. I cannot go into my sexuality without it being a taboo thing. Well, now, has people, has anybody ever called you a Jezebel? Someone once told me that I was a harlot in jest. Okay. So even then, and it was based on how I dressed. This had to do with work. This was a work situation. So it wasn't like I went to the club or whatever. This is me, and you've seen me dress for work. I normally wear pants and a top. So I'm wearing the same thing that most people are wearing, but there's an over-sexualization to my body. And the same thing with black girls in schools as well. When you look at violation for dress codes, it's normally black girls. Okay. I don't know that I've had that experience in school and we didn't wear uniforms. Um, and maybe I blocked some of it out if it was, or maybe because I was like a little being stalked at the time, um, there was nothing to sexualize. But, um, but I do remember, like, if I had friends that were well-developed early, mm-hmm. they were shamed. Yeah. They were shamed by it. And um, and I guess that, that was, like, a, in a sense of a tone policing. And they went through life like that. Mm-hmm. Always trying to downplay. The, and that's like being a, a, a robust-shaped woman compared to a slender woman robust is not pleasing to some you're not supposed to have all the curves and and all of that you're supposed to be a little skinny you know nothing and that's more pleasing that's how that's how you grew up because we would go to to modeling things i never got picked and my mother knew i wanted to model so she sent me to modeling school but they never once said to me about losing weight or anything. But when you went to shows to get selected, mm-hmm. I would always go thinking I'm not going to get picked. But I, I, I got picked because I, I learned the craft of how to walk the runway well. But isn't that sad that you other girls didn't have to do all that? They didn't have to perfect something. No. They weren't shamed to be heavier. They weren't shamed that you were. And that's a sense of code policing you early in life that you carry. Yeah. Yeah. That you so can't be this. You can't be who you are. And if I, and I guess that's the same way when you go to, to speak to people. When you go, when you were growing up with me and you went to apply for a job, you had to talk like a white person on the phone to get oh, the interview. Code switching. So basically, and yeah, it's basically code switching. And that's even an added layer to what minorities or non-whites have to do, which is you have to speak in their style of talk to be able to position yourself because you can't speak 
and slang and get ahead in a corporate roar. World you can't even as say no. If you're in a corporate environment and they say something, you go, no, that's not right. I don't care how you said it, the tone you use, it could be the sweetest, like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Even a whiny, the word no, suddenly uh, fireworks go off. <laughs> you're just, you're, you're not, you're not meeting our standards you're here. Difficult. <laughs> or you're difficult because you say the word no. You can't disagree. No. So that means you can't really come out with your ideas and your thoughts. They forever stay bottled up. Precisely. So it, it pivots. It's, it's, it's dehumanizing to have Ooh. to do that. And that is, I'm, I'm, I hope this fits, I'm not sure, but it made me think of these girls who started, uh, tried to start a bank, mm-hmm. a group of women, and they were financiers. I'm not sure where they got their money from, but they, and this is before internet banking or anything. They, they had a, a building. They were trying to start up a branch of banking by loaning out money. They got labeled lesbians and people wouldn't go there. Oh, wow. Now, who I did, who knew? And who cares? And and I'll never forget, because I remember the kitchen conversation table about it. And my grandmother said this in her out loud voice. She said, well, you can't, even if you want to go support them, if you go support them, you'll get a backlash from someplace else. So you had to do a backdoor support. You have to go around the back or something. You can't go in the front. Yeah. Whereas the speakeasy down the street, everybody knew what that was. You can go in there. And as long as the police, well, that's a whole other story. Never mind. Okay, good. Don't we'll indict. Don't. <laughs> please don't have these people knocking on the door. <laughs> but it, it just goes, and I really hadn't thought about how it just, that was tone policing. And they never even opened their mouth to say a word. They were doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. For the neighborhood, for women. Yeah. And even think about, like, tone policing with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he literally asked a soldier what was the best way to protest. That the first time, I, you know, he came back around and he asked the guy. And he told them, this is how I would feel, you know, I, I think this is okay. And he was just, you can't protest like that. By kneeling. Yeah. John Lewis just passed away yesterday and would be revered or will be revered as one of the greatest Americans of all time. All his life, he has been championing for civil rights. And I'm quite positive when they were doing their protests their way, non-violently, it was met with brutality. Oh, it definitely So there's was. never any right way to say this is horrible sometimes because it won't appease people. So for me, it's more like you have to be able to recognize that maybe you are coming through this or I know part of it has to do, there's a part of the ad hominem, which is the cruise attack. So there's a poisoning of the well. So you basically, character assault launched this person because 
you have a preconceived notion about them. So just because you don't like this, the message is lost. Because I don't like you, I don't hear what you have to say, whether or not it's right or wrong. Right. And think about how all of the stereotypes that we have to deal with as people of color. So me, it could be just me speaking as a woman. And because you have a, a implicit bias about women, then there's an issue. Or you have an implicit bias about what you believe a stereotype of a black woman should be. And when there's a threat to it, then it's like, oh, wait, what are you doing right now? And they would purposely say it in such a way to maybe get you to raise your voice. Then they raise, they raise their voice and people watching or hearing this think, oh, that must be an argument. And maybe it wasn't at all. Yeah. But the, the person tone policing can pivot you into an argument and it's all lost. Or they can just pivot you into silence because then you're exasperated. Yeah, either way, <laughs> either like, way the, the message is lost. But I was thinking about when people observe this, how many times have I watched it and not said anything? And not said, you know what, let her say what she's trying to say. Let's hear her. I think it's hard. And this is, again, is why I think like learning about these things are important because you can't, you, if you can't name it, it'll be so hard for me to tell someone this is what is going on. If we're not speaking the same language, right. if you can't, if you, and I think call a thing, a thing, call a thing, a thing, you know what I mean? And you and I, without going into details, had a conversation and we were, I was able to say, Gail, this is what, this is how I see things. Right. Yes. And because we can speak the same language, then it's like, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, this is what you did. And this is what it's called. And just so happens, you know, we're able to discuss it and then move past the situation because we can name it. But it's really mm -hmm. hard to want to continue when you feel I can't open up to you because I'm it's like, say that nicer. And, you know, when that happened and now talking about this, it brings to mind that I, I know exactly a pointed time when I was tone police repeatedly to when we got to a point where I was bluntly asked a question, are you going to do such and such? I, 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 I was, I, I couldn't answer because wherever I went, I was always shut down. Mm -hmm. So I just said, no. And that's not truly how I felt, but I felt like I can't really say what I really want to say because it's not going to be received. And how many times in my life have I said that to myself and just not said anything or, or did live up to the legend of the black woman being angry and just came at you with everything that I had till I bowled you over. Yeah. I and mean, I think tone policing will make you do that. It, it, it corners you. It corners you because you, you always have to pick how am I going? There's a mental thing that you have to do. It's like, now I have to do my hair. Now I have to turn on the light switch for this voice. Now I have to make sure that I don't appear aggressive. 
Now I have to pair that like I'm not a sexual being. Now I, it's just so many mental hurdles to yes. go through. And I am from the Blunt family. Again, I grew up in a Haitian household. And for the most part, like there's a thing called fueca. Like you just, Alina fueca too sometimes. Fwank. But <laughs> she's on sometimes too. But you, you're, you basically just say things sometimes. You know, there's no real minced words, culturally speaking up. So again, I'm also raised with, and I was raised with women who just said exactly how they felt. If and, it's, and if I do that, I'm the angry woman. Well, that's the thing. I don't mind that it would imply that I cared because I know that anger isn't the only thing that I have to offer. You know, so part of it for me is like, I'm, I would say, hopefully my friends would agree that I'm nice, that I'm funny, that I'm kind, that, you know, again, sometimes I can be angry. Sometimes it robs you of your whole humanity when you tell me who you think I should be. I know what's best for me. Yeah. And I, that that makes me think of my family. Um, I'm, we could yell at each other and we'd be screaming at each other, literally. And if somebody were to walk into the house or buy the house, they think somebody either going to be dead later. <laughs> And in the midst of all of that, if somebody else walked in the house that was part of the nucleus, they would be like, well, who's cooking? Y'all arguing. Who cooked? <sighs> oh, well, I don't know. So-and-so's going, okay, well, can we get to cooking? And we will cook and then at dinner finish the argument. And it wasn't necessarily that type of argument because everybody was just passionate about yeah. their view, their point. And there might be doors slammed and whatnot, but when it came time to eat, didn't nobody stay upstairs mad. They came on downstairs and ate dinner. And, and we went on with ourselves. But a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people want, they just can't do that. They just cannot. And I think they've been tone police to that. Yeah. They've been sat down so many times that they can no longer have the energy to get up. And that's the danger of it. And that's the danger of it. So... You know, I believe in allyship. I believe in friendships. Um, but at the same time, there, I just feel like education is available a lot, a lot of the way. And sometimes, you know, you just have to be able to listen to what that person is saying outside of what you think the emotion is. And I know sometimes people think that tone matters. But I think we should really be focusing on is whether what they're saying is right or wrong. If we can get past that point, because back to the NWA portion of it, what they were basically saying is we are being brutalized in the street and this is our response to it. Right. You know, that's that's a, a level of despair that now I am forced to yell. This is the only option to just give you the real deal bluntness. 
And even when the real deal bluntness was given, it was like, oh, they're so angry. Mm-hmm. But, and I think it's also a signal to those who are being brutalized. Somebody sees you and you are important. Yep. And we're standing with you. Although I may not be standing in that street yep. next to you, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm doing what I can do where I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I do believe in speaking truth to power. Like, bless Alina, you know, wrote a letter to Donald Trump. Speak truth to power in whichever way that you want to. And I'm sure someone will read it to him. I know. (laughs) I mean, that's because he's so busy. He has so many things to read. I'm sure they're going to pull that out the pile and think, you need to hear this. Not that he couldn't read it himself. That's not my implication at all. Well, you probably don't know. I heard he doesn't read, though. But that's another, whatever, whatever, whatever. There'll be no protest about that. Whatever. But but let me just say this about tone policing that mm-hmm. I got, and I and I and I have to say this, when you we've discussed it a couple times, mm-hmm. and and I like there are times I'm thinking I'm not really sure I agree with you on this or I agree with you on that, but there's something that I'm really proud of you that you brought this out and we're discussing it because. I want people to know, to start paying attention to conversations they're overhearing, that they're part of. If someone is tone policing someone else, speak up. This is another way to speak up, to help, to assist, regardless of your race, creed, or whatever. Speak up and say, no, wait, let them finish. Let's hear what they have to say. Yes, because what they're, what they believe that they're saying, if someone is speaking to me about such, with such passion, I think it might be important. Yes. I think it might be important to just say, this person feels really hurt about this. That they are, or maybe it's even optimism, you know, however it is. Sometimes we tell people who are too optimistic, you might want to slow that down. Right. Don't be too happy. You can't be too happy either. I mean, there were the the women, the small, the group of women with, that were on that wine trip and they were having a good time and they were kicked off for being too happy because they were <laughs> cackling. So where, where, you know what I mean? So even there on the opposite side, it doesn't necessarily always have to be anger. Sometimes it's just the happiness. No, you can't be too happy. Tone that down so that I'm comfortable. Yeah, I don't want to see your happiness because I'm miserable. It points to my misery. And how is that? Well, join in. You might get happy. You might. You might want to work on that. I think everybody should work on it. And again, you know, be able to really listen to what the message is. And be aware of maybe... You know, all of us have biases and stereotypes that we hold and question them. Is my stereo, is there a stereotype coming up to play? Yes. That you're not, you're not even aware of. No. And they do have, mind you, Harvard has implicit bias testing that you can take 
and they're free and they will go ahead and tell you whether or not you have an ageism, unconscious bias. They'll tell you if you have a preference to light or dark features, white to black. And they have that. And or so, just ask some of your friends. They can tell you. What? If you have some of these biases. Most people can tell you they just don't. Yeah, that's true. But again, I don't think a lot of people are ready for that answer. So if you want the privacy of your own home. <laughs> don't call me. I'll let you know. You want the privacy of your own home, you know, you can do that and see, okay, if you're aware that you have a preference for um, dark skin versus light skin, then when maybe that could be a reason why you're not hearing whatever that person has to say. That's true. Um, So that is a resource. I'll probably put that in the show link. Um, I've done it. Um, and it's very eye opening to see what you, what comes of it. And they have different ones that you can do. Um, anything else you'd like to add? No, thank you. This was very good. I learned a lot and I do appreciate that. And I'm, I'm sharing it with my friends and I'm learning from it and I'm going to be practicing non tone policing. Me too. Be anti. Be an anti-tone policing. Let's get t-shirts made. <laughs> oh, so before we go, I just wanted to quote John Lewis. Um, one of his quotes. And it was, do not get lost in the sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble. Necessary trouble. Hashtag good trouble. So, yeah, let's get in good trouble. But to be able to get in good trouble, you have to be able to speak your troubles to be able to fix the problem. So good. Thank you. You're very welcome. So I think we're done with the show. Be well. Be safe. Be easy. Be blessed. Bye. (laughs) Say it again, Alina. Be yeet. Oh my God, who raises her?